a welcome to our worship from Montmorency Community Church. Now, isn't that, isn't that a disaster? Now, when you pitch up a tent, you want your pack to hold down your tent. If you foresee any incoming storm, you have to go around and make sure that you have strong and deep pack holding down, holding down your tent. Now, the title for today's sermon is How Secure Are the Packs That Hold Down the Tent of Your Life? How Secure Are the Packs That Hold Down the Tent of Your Life? In 1988, June 28, now, after holding my newborn child for one day. The next day when I walked into the room again to see my wife and my child, suddenly I saw a crowd around the room, serious looking doctors, and my wife was distraught. What happened was that over the night, there was uh, something, after that we know there's something wrong done by the nurse in injecting my, my son, that the, 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 the pediatrician told us that there's a possibility that they may have to take off his leg. From one moment of high, right down, that your son may lose a leg. That was a storm that hit me real hard, real hard. So I just ask you, when the storm of life comes, have your, 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 your tent properly packed down, proper packed, strongly packed to withstand the storm. Now the passage for today's lesson comes from the letter of Peter. And Peter was writing 2,000 years old to a group of Christian churches in what we have the modern day Turkey. And they were undergoing storms of life. They were undergoing storms of life. Now, he was writing to people, a group of them, a large group of them, who were actually refugees. And being refugees, they may not be looked on favorably by the authorities of the place they are residing. And they were having difficulties. A group of them were slaves. They were slaves. And being slaves, they were having some of them, most of them probably having overbearing masters. They were also being misunderstood by the locals. The good they wanted to do were misunderstood and they were not actually treated fairly by the locals as well. And some of them, women who are believers, and they were struggling because their husband were not. So these are people who were actually facing great storms of their life. 
Now, Peter just did not write to them to, to, to just pacify them. Uh, it's all right. It's going to be all right. You know, uh, I, I, I understand and it's going to be all right and gives them some, 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 some kind of comfort. But Peter, in the letter, charged them to hold on to the Christian character. Even when they were facing people misunderstanding them, they were to hold on to Christian character to do good, even where they are misunderstood. And when the authority were overbearing on them, Peter asked them to obey the authority, to hold on to the Christian character. And then Peter asked them to maintain the Christian value, to be holy as God is holy. And the third thing Peter reminded them, remember your Christian mission. Your Christian mission to hold up an answer to people who may ask you, what's all this hope you have? What's all this hope you have? So my first question which i like to pose to you is, when, when the storm of life comes to your life, do you have adequate packs to hold up the tent of your life? Do you have adequate packs to hold up the tent of your life? Now, I don't want to give you an impression that these people were, were, were walking around with a storm cloud over their head, and depressed, and even maybe angry. A cloud of hopelessness. But actually, Peter wrote in chapter 1, verse 8 says, These people are walking around with inexpressible joy, which is noticed by those people who were giving them difficult time. As such that these people were wondering why. Why do you have such joy? What's your hope? And Peter asked them to give an answer. So these people were walking around with inexpressible joy. You can find that in 1 Peter 1 verse 8. The reason for that is, this is their secret. They, they have, They had their tent of their life securely packed down. They had their tent of their life securely packed down. And I can see that in the beginning of Peter's letter, he suggested, and he gave this three packs to them. Now this letter was written 2,000 years ago in the first century to a people of different time, different culture, different geographical location. But I believe that this lesson is still relevant to us in the 21st century in Australia here. The issues are basic and I believe that this three pack will help you to weather any storm of your life. Now, if you will have the Bible, will you please turn to me to the letter of Peter? I'm going to read from Peter chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. <clears throat> now, 
Now Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for the obedience of Jesus Christ and the sprinkling by His blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. These are the three packs which Peter suggested, which can hold down the tent of their life. The first pack is that God the Father chose them. God the Father chose them. The second pack is God the Son washed them with His blood. And the third pack is God the Holy Spirit works in them. These are three important packs which you can pack down the tent of their life. The first pack that God the Father chose them. Now, if you are already a believer, you have no difficulties in taking this statement as a whole. That God chose you. But if you are still in a journey, a journey of curiosity of this religion, Christianity, we may need to unpack this. Because there are two prepositions here. The first preposition is that, that God is. That God is. Now, it is answering to an existential question. And I will just briefly deal with it now. I want to appeal to your soul. Listen to your soul. When our, your soul, our soul long for God, we feel that maybe God is far, far away. He is far, far away, but He is. Not that He's not. When we feel a barrier, a barrier between us and God, we feel that behind the barrier is His. And not that He's not. Listen to our soul. Now, sometimes we play mental tricks to our mental games. One of it is what I call the reductionist scheme. The reductionist scheme. When we do not understand the whole, we reduce the whole to small parts, many small parts. And when we, when we claim to understand each or a few of the small parts, we claim to understand the whole of it. For example, Darwin's study on the beaks, the beaks of birds, the finches, it concluded with the theory of the evolution of everything. From the beak to the evolution of everything. We bypass, we bypass the complexity of creation. We bypass the sophistication of creation. We bypass the 
beauty of creation. I can give another example. We could define sound as vibrating pressure, vibrating pressure, air pressure, and we miss out the music of the symphony or the baby's first cry. Now, I know this warrants a longer conversation, but for now, I want to appeal for you to listen to your soul, listen to your heart, listen to the longing of your heart. Now, and if you can't, still can't, I appeal to you to just hold that God is for the next 15 minutes. That God is. The second preposition is God choose them. That God choose them. Now, this second preposition is also problematic. That God the Father choose them. Now, it was an audacious claim by Christian of that time. An audacious claim of Christian of the first century. And it still is an audacious claim by the Christian of the present century. The Christian now. That God chooses. I understand that it's a problem. You may want to ask. How do I get chosen? Do I need to wait for an invitation? Am I excluded? Why am I excluded? Let me explain it with a simple illustration of a door. Imagine there's a door and it is an open door. And on top of the door is the welcome sign. Welcome sign. Open door, welcome sign. If you enter behind the door, it's a table. And on the table is the list, the name list of those who are invited. Now, if you are standing outside the door, you cannot read that name list. You cannot read from outside the door. You have to come through the door. And when in, if and when you walk through the door, towards the table, you'll find that you are invited in that name list. In that name list. You, if you walk through the door, you will not be rejected. You will not be re rejected. So if you choose to accept God's invitation, you will find that He has chosen you. If you choose to accept God's invitation, you will find that He has chosen you. Now, you may ask, on what authority do I, Andrew Lee, speak for God on such an important matter? What authority do I have? So on this matter, there are many verses in the Bible to state that. Let me take you to one we found in Hebrew chapter 11, Verse 6. Hebrew chapter 11, verse 6. And if you have the Bible, 
Why don't you turn to this as well? Hebrew chapter 11, verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to Him must believe He exists. And that He reward those who earnestly seek Him. Anyone who seek Him must believe that He exists. And God reward those who earnestly seek Him. And in Peter's letter, it also says that those who trust in Him will not be put to shame. So as regard to God choosing them, God, God choosing us, God choosing you, God's foreknowledge and God's promises are one and the same. God's foreknowledge and God's promises are one and the same. Next, I turn to you and ask you, who is the sponsor of your welfare? It's because the implication that God chose them is staggering. It's staggering. Now, as a citizen, the person who sponsors my welfare, a lot of it is our government, the government which back me up. The greater, the stronger your sponsor, the more authoritative is your sponsor to your welfare, the more secure you are. So the preposition that God the Father chose them, have this strong implication that the God who created the heaven and the earth and every little minute particle is the sponsor of their welfare. Is the sponsor of their welfare. It is a staggering claim. A staggering claim. And not only that, he actually is, is backing us up here on this earth but also throughout eternity in our life after death. It says here in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, He actually shielded our inheritance by His power. By His power. So God, the highest authority, there's no other authority higher than God's authority. He is the final authority. And over here, when God the Father chose them, God the Father sponsors their whole welfare. So if you choose God, He will sponsor your welfare throughout eternity. So that is the first pact. And isn't that an important pact? Isn't that an important pact? The second pact we can find is God the Son Wash them with the sprinkling of His blood. God the Son washed them 
with the sprinkling of his blood. Now, God the Son washes the sin of all of us through the sprinkling of his blood. Now, I added to that passage that God the Son washes them. This, although the word washed, washes is not included in the verse, it is implied. It is implied in what is written there. It's what implied. Let me give you the backdrop of their understanding, the Jewish understanding during the time when they read God the Son sprinkled them with his blood. The problem is sin. When the Jews at Jesus' time, when they go to the temple, they have to bring the blood of animals. They have to pour the blood of animal over the altar or sprinkle over the altar in the acknowledgement that they have sinned and they need forgiveness. And, and it was because God put that law, that ceremonial in the Old Testament, they performed that sacredly in order for God to forgive their sin, they performed this, this ceremony. The sprinkling of blood on the altar. But we know, we know in our heart that the blood of animals which you can buy off the market, although it can be precious if you have a big cow, it's not sufficient to actually wash us of the guilt we have. The guilt we have. The guilt we have. The purpose of that during that time when God instituted that was also to project, to show them that one day a proper sacrifice will be done. A sacrifice which is worthy to take all our sins away. And Jesus, Jesus did that. Jesus did that. Jesus, on the cross, he bled and died so that our sins are forgiven. So that's why when Peter said Jesus sprinkled their blood on them, means that Jesus washed their sins away. Now, in the Jewish temple, you have this whale, a long big curtain which actually blocked or cut you off from a special room called the Holies of Holies. Holies of Holies. It is there. And people, normally people are not supposed, sinful people are not supposed to enter that because it shows that God is holy and we are not. When Jesus was crucified on the cross, that very hour, that very hour, the veil was torn from top to bottom. The veil was torn from top to bottom. There was not a human hand to be able to do that for top to bottom. God tore down the veil. God tore down the veil because Jesus dying on the cross broke the barrier for us. 
Now we can walk into God's presence. Now God can welcome us. Now the door is open with a welcome sign. With a welcome sign. Now our problem is our sin. Our problem is our sin. Sin which actually block us from God's having a relationship with us. Now some of us may object to the to, to be accused of being sinners. And we may say that our sins our wrongdoing, sins are wrongdoing, our wrongdoing or our thought are private, are private matter. And we shouldn't be judged of that. Or our wrongdoing or our sins are small, insignificant. It doesn't hurt anybody. We may get away with it. Society may not hold us accountable. But the Holy God, the Holy God, find us accountable even to the small sin because He is a holy God. He is a holy God. So our problem is sin and we need Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ to sprinkle over us for the forgiveness of sin. For the forgiveness, for forgiveness of sin. So that was the second pact. Now, the third pact, the third pact is this, that God the Holy Spirit was working within us. God the Holy Spirit worked within us. Now the first and second pact may be held as just probably a head knowledge, a doctrinal statement which is unique unique to the Christian faith. You don't have any faith which is actually similar to this. Unique. In this third pact, that God the Holy Spirit worked within the believer is a very important pact because it shows us the dynamic nature of God's relationship with us. A present dynamic relationship. If you were to tell your friend that this morning or yesterday you were communicating with God, they will actually think that you are presumptuous. And they may be more kind and say that you are actually mad. But this really is. This really is. It is the dynamic relationship which is enabled by the Holy Spirit to every believer. That God is no longer far away. Or that God is no longer technically, the barrier is removed and that's it. He's sitting there and I'm here. But God the Holy Spirit is within the believer and He is relating with us. He is relating with us in a dynamic way. So let me turn to you to you the communication channel where the Holy Spirit relate to us. What are the communication channels? The first is the reading of His Word. The reading of the Bible. The reading of God's Word. Now if you were reading God's Word, sometime the very passage that you read 
the instant you read it, intersected, coincided with the situation you are in, that the 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 motivation, the instruction, or the comfort coming out from the word of God is for you during that time. The Holy Spirit speak to you and bring this word out to you. So this is one of the way God the Holy Spirit speak to us and speak to us directly. The second is prayer. <coughs> to a Christian, praying to God is a direct communication with God. A communication which is a two-way process. A two-way process. And we also listen even as we pray to the Lord. Now this is rather fresh. Something happened just this morning. Now, was because of, it was because of some technical problem that I have to appear here live. I actually have videotaped my sermon, so I was hoping to just uh, play it and, and, and that's it. And it's easy to do a videotape, you can actually edit it as it goes. But yesterday, they told me that, the, Andrew told me that, the, you know, the, 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 the sound system was not good enough, which I taped, and the, 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 the sound was scratchy. So last night, I was having to write my sermon all from top to bottom, everything. And I really was struggling. I really was struggling and I need so much prayer. And even 4 o'clock this morning, I woke up to do this PowerPoint. At 7.30, I give a note to Raf. Raf, can you pray for me? You know, I'm having a really difficulty. And Raf sent me a message. He says that last night, he too cannot sleep. And somehow, God prompted him to pray for me. I don't think that was consensus. I don't think that was concern. He couldn't sleep and God prompted him to pray for him. And there are many other instances whereby we find that our prayer, the incident we are having, and God's answers, God interacting with us, is the full puzzle of how the Holy Spirit communicates with us. The third is being aware of Him. Being aware of the Holy Spirit throughout your day. Develop an awareness even as you walk through the day. Awareness, take the Holy Spirit, God, into the situation of your life. And you will you'll be surprised when you listen, develop this internal conversation, internal listening, that times and again, He will just come in and interrupt your train of thought with a suggestion. I was driving, I was driving back from Maryborough one dark night. My wife was sitting beside me, it was dark. And between New, just before I, 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 I come to the town called Newton, there was a bit of winding road, and I was having my cruise on. It was, and my wife was sleeping and, and resting. And just before I wanted to turn the corner, God said, there, a voice, a voice said, 
there is a kangaroo in the middle of the road. So it was, I was startled, so I just switched on my cruise, turned down, braked in the, and when I come to the corner, there was a huge kangaroo right in the middle of the road. And I had to, good thing I can have still some space to swerve, and that woke up my wife. I believe when you develop a conversation with God, God talks to us. God talks to us. And there are many other conversations such as that. So develop an awareness of God through the day. Through the day. Now one of my journey is actually to practice to ask God, you know, is there something you want me to prompt to actually encourage somebody of that day? And it's still a journey and uh, I'm trying it out. To be aware of God using my words. God using my words. Alright, and then, now, <clears throat> Peter entered, <clears throat> entered his greeting. Verse 1 and verse 2 in First Peter chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 2 is part of the letter, the greeting which normal uh, letter writer during that day stand up. And Peter ended that greeting with this, Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. These two words, grace and peace, two very important words which is well utilized in the Christian vocabulary. You read in the Bible, you have these two words come out very uh, regularly and very prominently. The word grace means all God's blessing. All God's blessing given to us. In particular, these three packs which He gives to us. Three facts. That God the Father chose us. That God the Son washed us from our sins. And that God the Holy Spirit is now residing, working within us. And we can experience that. This grace of God. And because of this grace of God, we have peace. Peace. Not to the Christian world and to the... The word peace, actually, is not when you have everything... You go to the mountaintop, there's nothing moving, you're enjoying the view and all that. That is not what it means. It means a peace, a well-being, that even in the midst of extreme suffering, you can have that peace which passes all understanding. Because this is the peace you have when you're connected with God. A well-being you have. Even when you face, the early Christian face the lion den. They have the peace to walk in the lion den. This is the peace. So in ending this, I'd like to ask you this question which I pose. What are the pegs that hold down the tent of your life? When the storm of life beat on your tent, will your peg hold? Will your peg hold when the storm of life beat it? And even now when we have this issue on the coronavirus. But that's telling me for just one more sentence I'd like to share with you. Even when everything is okay, there's money in the bank, your job is secure, the family is doing well, your relationship with friends, your relationship with your spouse, and your relationship with the community is doing well. 
when everything is doing well, but still you feel that there is still something missing, and when you switch off the light, and you feel that something is not right, because you are not connected with God. I pray that you will enter the, the door, enter the door, and be welcomed by God. Thank you very much. Let's pray. Our Father God, we thank you, dear Lord God, for your abundance of grace that you welcome us. We thank you for that. I pray, dear Lord God, that many, dear Lord God, will just will look at their heart again. And if there's any, dear Lord God, there who have still in a journey of knowing you, we pray that, dear Lord God, your Holy Spirit will speak into your heart even now, even now. We thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you very much, Andrew, and uh, thank you for that message and and the three pegs that can hold down the tent of our life. That was very, very good. And look, I'd like to just uh, invite you to join us next week too. Uh, we've got Lee Minahan, uh speaking, and he'll be uh, sharing what the Lord has led him to in the next section of Peter. And um, so please join us next week. And um, hope you all have a good week, keeping warm, keeping virus free. And I'd just like to uh, read a couple of verses now as we finish our service this morning. This is from the book of Jude. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Saviour, be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen.